0: Or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 11. My name is Andrew Lorenzo, and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a 2-hour and 40-minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey, starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you for listening. For all things Breaking the Barrier, you can check out my new website, www.breakingthebarrierrunning.com. Which will have updates on my journey, show notes, relevant articles, as well as links to the Breaking the Barrier social media sites, like the new Instagram page at Breaking the Barrier Running. As always, make sure to check out the Breaking the Barrier Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Breaking the Barrier Running. And if you would like to be added to the Facebook community group, simply go to the website, go to the contact section, and shoot me a message, and I'll send you the link to request to join. You can also subscribe to the mailing list, which will include podcasts. Podcast updates and relevant articles on the subject matter. So I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of the new year, episode eleven. Pretty symbolic, one first of the first, two thousand nineteen. So we've got a really awesome episode in store for you today. I interviewed last week Matt Daniels, Geelong's marathon man, or so they call him in the newspaper. Basically, Matt is an amazing guy. He has done extraordinary things with his body just pushing his limits all in the name of charity. And I can't wait to share with you the interview that i had with him before we get into that i have a couple of announcements to make so some really exciting stuff so firstly i have for the breaking the barrier podcast secured my very first sponsor so it's a company called generation you can now they're based out of the united states and australia the australian version is who will be sponsoring the podcast moving forward i'm really excited about it they're an amazing brand It is a sports nutrition company that I personally use with amazing, amazing success and results. So stay tuned in future episodes where I will have some coupon codes for you to use. Those of you who are wanting to take your sports nutrition to the next level. It's an amazing product and I highly recommend it. And again, I am a user myself. It's just really cool for me to have been able to speak with the organization and They believe in what I'm doing, the message that I'm trying to get across. So it's, it's really an exciting time to be moving forward for Breaking the Barrier. And the next announcement that I wanted to make, which was also kind of equally exciting for me, was that over the Christmas holidays, Breaking the Barrier had a record high of listening. So for the first time, I reached 200 listens in one week. And... That's awesome. That hasn't happened before. Obviously, the podcast is still in its infancy, so I'm looking forward to that number growing, but it's, it's just really inspiring to know that people are listening, that y'all are listening, and that you're, you're following along. So rock on, everybody. I'm, I'm really excited to be helping not only myself, but all of you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. So with those things being said, I think it's, it's time you've heard me chatting enough. So I'll, I'll now start to get into the interview that I had last week. Matt Daniels. He has been on an amazing journey. He's not an elite runner, but is someone who has the heart of a champion. At first glance, Matt is just an average guy, just like most of us. He has a family, runs a successful business called Fit and Focus, a gym operating out of Geelong, and he tries to be the best person he can be in his life. The big difference? In 2016, Matt decided to tackle a marathon distance 55 times in 55 days in the name of charity. That's 55 times 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers for a total of over 1,440 miles or over 2,320 kilometers. That is a feat many of us could never even fathom putting ourselves through, not only physically, but mentally. And that's not all. He's currently smack in the middle of a new feat of running 535 half marathons in 535 days. No days off and no quitting. That mentality is precisely the type of person who embodies all that breaking the barrier is, especially when you realize that the guy gets up, he goes to his gym at around 4 a.m. to set it up for the day. He does work there, and then a couple hours later, he goes out for his run, then he comes back to the gym, does more work, and then at around midday, he starts all his admin stuff for his business. And he still finds time to take care of his family and his other responsibilities. Dude's amazing. I had such a great time interviewing him, and I hope you enjoyed the listen. Uh, Just (laughs) just so you know, there was a fly flying around us in his office, and it landed on the microphone a couple of times and flew around it. So if you hear some buzzing, that's not only the buzz of electric energy that was in the room, (laughs) but it is also that little fly, so don't, don't freak out. There's nothing wrong with your stereo or your speakers. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Matt Daniels, Geelong's own marathon man. So I'm here with Matt Daniels in Geelong at his gym Fit and Focused. It's a huge, huge warehouse of Amazing equipment and inspiration in here, and I'm sitting with him, and and I'm I'm thankful that he's agreed to sit down and talk with me about his interview. So thanks again, Matt,
1: for this pleasure to uh, be on, Andrew. Awesome.
0: Um, as as my listeners already know, you have accomplished some really crazy, amazing physical feats in the last couple of years, including one that you're right in the middle of. So we're gonna talk about that. Uh, but before we before we get into it, I always like to ask everybody basically how they started and whatever it is that we're talking about. So first off how long have you been running how'd you get into it and yeah uh
1: running so I grew up in Anglesey so probably a a small coastal town about 30 minutes from from Geelong where we are now so I grew up down there um down near the cliff tracks along there so Mm. ever for as long as I can remember I've always loved running so growing up down there as a young kid uh lots of freedom so but played footy cricket, tennis, basketball, all the sports that you yeah, play right. growing up. But right. I always remember loving running and just heading up along the cliff tracks early in the morning, running, um, and yeah, running through the streets of the morning, Yeah, just even growing yeah, growing up at a, at a fairly young age, I remember loving running, loving the feeling that it gave me. Um, I always ran with a couple of mates growing up as well, so we always would meet up down the main street and head off down towards the beach and run down there as well. So for as long as I can remember, I've been running and always been active as well, playing yeah. all the sports you do growing up as a... As a young, a young kid down in Anglesea, the coastal towns.
0: Yeah, right. It's a beautiful area down there too. Um, yeah, I love it down there.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It was an awesome, awesome childhood. Me and my two sisters and, and mum down there, right up until um, late in high school. So that was a, an awesome upbringing down there. And like I said, plenty of sports and, and always active. Yeah.
0: So it was. Um, so with in terms of the sports, it was. Was it like formal competition sports, or was it more of
1: yeah competition sports? But then just kicking around with mates as well. So I played yep. footy for Anglesey down there. Okay. Uh, played basketball in Geelong and in Torquay. So mum had a bit of traveling to do, <laughs> as as mums do growing up. So That's it. <laughs> a bit of tennis as well, um, getting around with, with tennis tournaments and stuff like that. So, but with the mates as well, always you know playing cricket, kicking the footy, uh, mucking around with mates down there in, in summer and over the holidays especially.
0: Yeah. Right. And so with, with long distance running Mm -hmm. now, how did, how did you get into that? Like, how did you get into the extreme, the extreme distances? Like if we're going to go into this 55 marathons in 55 days, where did that all come from?
1: Yeah. So I think it all stemmed from, um, I've been doing personal training for, for a few years now, but I think it all stemmed from 2011, Was the first sort of foray into the long distance stuff. So I just, I did a 24 hour relay for life, um, walk slash run. Yeah. My uncle had passed away with cancer. So I was motivated to do the relay for life. My sister in law at the time had breast cancer. Um, so I remember, yeah, having a fair bit of motivation to, to make a bit of a difference and do something there. And that was in 2011. I did a, yeah, 24 hour. I think it was more walking than running, but it's still, it's still a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. That was in 2011. And then that was probably the first, uh, big sort of long distance event that I did even though it was was walking more than running and then from there, um, pretty much every year since 2011 I've, I've done a, um, a fairly big event. 2012, I did the 100 kilometer Surf Coast Century down in Anglesey, back home. It was good to head back home and, and that was um, the first sort of ultra marathon run that I'd done. And then um, 2013, did the Oxfam 100 K walk with a few clients from the gym and then, yeah, have, have done some big events um Adelaide to Geelong run in 2014 it was yep. a, it was a Breast Cancer Network Australia charity run and then um Kokoda in there and then the marathons was was the um probably the one of the really big ones in 2016 that was the 55 marathons in in 55 days but I think it all stemmed from 2011 um yeah when I did a 24-hour walk slash run relay for life event I remember finishing that Uh, feeling pretty tired, but feeling really, really good that I was able to make a bit of a difference, raise a a bit of money. And then sort of every year after that, I've gone on to hopefully step things up. And that's where I'm at today. Yeah, wow.
0: That's insane. And I mean, insane in a good way. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you hear about people doing extraordinary things, but just the simple fact that it's just, you started out doing it so selflessly, like it's just all about, raising awareness and raising money for something bigger than yourself. I think that that that's amazing. Now you're right in the middle of, of something now as well, the, the 5.35 and yep. 5.35. So mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, so um, the marathons, was, the marathons 55 in 55 is 2016, um, and that was in memory of uh, a guy called Andrew Cadigan. So in, in late 2015, there's a bit of a, a backstory. so I'll take yeah. it back. So in yeah, 2015, I read a book um, that I purchased from Melbourne. My wife and I went away to Melbourne. I found a, a book called With Every Step, um, by Neil Cadigan and I read the front flipped it over read the back and I knew as soon as I read it that it was a book I was going to absolutely love um, and I couldn't put the book down basically I read it every night and I was hanging out of my head trying to get through chapter <laughs> after chapter and when I did put the book down I obviously knew at the end that Andrew had tragically passed away but not before walking 18 yeah. months around Australia raising $60,000 for the Leukemia Foundation all in honour of a mate that had passed away from a a leukemia condition. So that's what Cad did. I read the book, got super inspired from that and just thought it was a bit of a, um, you know, I felt really flat at the end, a little bit disheartened that he'd lost his life and had had done so much. So I sort of felt compelled to, um, I suppose, take the baton and, and... run with it quite literally, so that's where I got motivated at the end of 2015 to do the the marathons. So I did the 55 and 55 in memory of CAD. I raised money for CAD's Cause, which is Leukemia Foundation. Mm -hmm. Raised about $20,000 there, which was great. And then um, at the end of 2016, did another um, CAD's Cause fundraiser, and that was a 24 hour treadmill run. So I ran on the the treadmill for 24 hours. Wow, covered 160 kilometres. Uh, that was here at the gym, wow. and then um, the end of 2017 decided to um, yeah take on this 535 um, half marathons in, in as many days, and the, a lot of people ask where the 535 comes from, so what that is, that's, um, I basically started the same day that Cad left his walk around Australia, okay. so he left on the 27th of December 2010, yep. and he finished on June 14th, 2012, so 18 months later, so... That's what I'm doing so this morning's run was 366 and I'm going through to June 14th next year which will be the 535 days which is the same amount of time it took Andrew to walk around Australia. Wow! So that's where the the whole 535 comes into it Um, and that's the bit of the backstory there so I'm hoping to raise a dollar for every kilometre that I run over the journey which is 11,288.5 um, and yeah I'm sure by the end of the, the journey I'll hit that which will be awesome yeah and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see what's next but for now so far so good with the half marathon runs but that's where it all stems from reading the book being super inspired to to make a difference and continue on Cad's work and um, yeah that's what I've done and I'm really proud of what I've done and had heaps of fantastic support from from family, friends and obviously um, yeah, my wife and kids who are a big inspiration and do all the uh, all the important things, and I just run.
0: Yeah, well, that's 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 amazing. I mean, that's 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 amazing to me that you really that it's a huge undertaking. You've got a a, a full time job. You own the business, yep. which is for those of you who don't know what it's like owning a business, not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's passion. It's, it can be fun, but it's there's a lot that goes into it. You've obviously got a family and everything else that goes on in your life. So the fact that you're doing this. Again, so selflessly is amazing. So I will I will have um, links to everything where they can find. So we'll talk a little bit about that yeah. in, in a little bit. And so in the show notes, uh, there will be links for places that you can go to donate to learn more about what Matt's doing as well. So now, obviously, a big part of the podcast, it's, it's all about mindset and comfort mm-hmm. zones and, and pushing limits. So completing everything with what we were just talking about, with everything that you've got going on, not only do you have everything going on outside of your physical self you've got everything going on inside of your physical self so how do you keep up with what's going on in your life what's going on like how do you take care of yourself to make sure that you can keep going
1: yeah I suppose with the training initially um obviously I had a really well I had a really good preparation to get ready for the 535 I'm not sure there's a a perfect way to train for that but I I um did have a really good solid training block leading up to it Mm. um a lot of positive visualization i like to do before all these big events i sort of um sort of take myself through the the hot days the cold days the early mornings the late nights um, the middle of the day Um, i like to put myself in different scenarios and visualize all everything positive and and how i basically want it all to to pan out and uh, it seems to seems to go that way i've done that before with a lot of previous big events so a lot of positive um visualization but Uh, and that's before the event so when you get to the actual the start date you're ready to go sort of physically and mentally so um that's always important but then how i look after myself during the uh during the big runs uh just recover as best i can Mm. a bit of foam rolling um to be honest i haven't had a lot of massages um along the way yeah but a lot of foam rolling and and just look after myself with, with good food uh recover as best i can but it is difficult like you said with uh, four kids. I've got a, a little yeah. little one that's eighteen months at the moment, wow. um, and running my own business as well. But I've got fantastic support from yeah, my wife Lee, who thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but understands <laughs> understands the mission I'm on, and she's really supportive, and um, she does make life a lot a lot easier for me. So, like I said, I can get up, get to the gym, train the clients here, and then I just head straight down to the river. So it's become a uh, habit now. Um, like I said, it's it's routine. I'm just focused on, yeah, getting to the gym in the morning, training all the clients, and then I head down to the river and then just do it at 7.30 every morning. Yeah. From Monday to Friday without fail. And then on the weekends, I do it a little bit earlier and have a couple of mates that I run with as well on the weekends. So having that accountability on the weekend is, is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I've got uh, just a, a bit of a system in place to make sure that I'm ready for every run. Just simple things, as, as you know, like getting your clothes out the night before, sure. all those sort of things. So just eliminates, uh, you know, waking up and feeling rushed. Yeah, So just, totally. just getting ready to um, yeah to run every day until you can get off and then going again.
0: Nice. So yeah, there's a lot of preparation, a lot of visualization. So that's, that's a really big, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that that's uh, a thing that a lot of people skip out on, myself included. I didn't start getting into visualization of just my runs until yeah. maybe... Uh, halfway into the process of training for the marathon. And I found that once I started doing that, like even if it was just for five minutes, just mm. visualizing for me, it's just visualizing landmarks that I would hit on yeah. a certain run. Like, so I'd know if I got up and say, like, Hey, I hit the coals at this corner. That's, that's 2k. If I, once I hit the Seven Eleven, that's, I'm done with 6k and, and so on. And I would just go through that. And it's, when I did that, I'd find that the runs in the morning were easier. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, visualization is powerful.
1: Yeah, and I, I do similar similar uh, things around the river at the moment. We've got some yeah, different little landmarks that you can hit around the river when I'm doing the half marathon. So getting to a certain bridge is, is 5K, you know, doing one lap is 10K and, and just breaking it down. So you've always got that, you know, that little um, yeah, landmark ahead of you to, to look forward to. So yeah. it definitely helps. And then in the in the big runs, um, yeah, looking at the, uh, you know, visualizing the, the finish line and visualizing who will be there and all that sort of stuff as well. That tends to, to help me a lot. And then, uh, yeah, visualizing the early mornings, the late nights, the hot days, um, the days when you can't be bothered. So when it actually comes time to do it, it's like you've done it before. So yeah, right. That's what i found anyway.
0: So it's like a form of, um, it's almost like acceptance, like when you start visualizing, especially when you start visualizing the things that you don't, that visualizing the points that maybe you won't enjoy. Yeah, Yep. It's like, it, it, it's acceptance. It's mm. accepting it before it happens, so it makes it a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I've done that with this run, visualized the hot days, and I had a couple of hot days not long ago, there was, I think it was a 32 degree yep. day when I started, finished up at about 36 degrees, yeah. and it wasn't, uh, it was nowhere near as, as um, you know, as hot or as hard as I thought it would be, but I visualized, you know, running in the heat and, and struggling, you know, late in the runs and all that sort of stuff, so, um, yeah, like you said, when it comes time to do it, it's you've accepted it and you, and you just get through it.
0: Yeah, nice. So you hear that, everybody? You know how often I talk about acceptance. This is a guy that runs as much as he does. If you're not going to listen to me, <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> so now, in in terms of of the visualization and the acceptance, are there are there actually moments where you'll you'll get up or you'll be in the middle of the run? And you're just thinking, man, I just I don't want to be I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Is that ever is that ever a thing?
1: There's definitely been. Yeah, without, without doubt, there's been days where I've woken up and I thought I'd love just to have a coffee and grab the papers and put my feet up and and uh, rest this morning rather than going out for a run. But in terms of, um, like, I can't be bothered or I just can't do it today, I've never really had any of those days. So yeah, there's always just been the fleeting moments where, you know, I'd love just to put my feet up and read the papers rather than heading off on this run now because I know when I get back from the run, I can read the papers and put my yeah. feet up for, <laughs> for 10 minutes. But um, yeah, no, I wouldn't say I've had any days where I'm really, really um, struggling and saying, you know, I can't do this physically or, or mentally Yeah, been able to push through that. But um, definitely moments there where I've just thought I would love a, um, a day off or a few hours off in the morning to, to do my thing. But uh, obviously, you've got a big reason why and I think that comes into into play when you have a really big why yeah um, they talk about the how being easy and that's the the running part of things for me so mm. um yeah I've been I've been pretty lucky but yeah just pushing through physically and mentally and um so far so good
0: yeah right so that that I get well yeah you you do have an amazing why and I guess that that that, that the lesson to be learned there is to just know the bigger purpose of what you're doing um and it sounds like you're doing that extremely well. So I guess I guess that maybe segues really well into my next question. So if I were to ask you what to... And you might actually have a good perspective on this anyway as a gym owner. Mm-hmm. But what would you say is the big difference between somebody who goes above and beyond to do extraordinary things with their lives, with their bodies, as opposed to somebody that wavers a little bit or that might not even see their true potential
1: yeah uh, I think it all comes down to mindset so uh, really big on mindset I think it's obviously the most important important thing and I think um, probably over time I've, I've proven that there's been days where I look back at the end of some of the runs and I thought how the hell did the, the body even get through you know some of the days where you really <laughs> saw or the Achilles just yeah. flared up there's a day on one of the runs I think it was day 7 or 8 from when I was running from Adelaide back down to Geelong um, and my Achilles was playing up I remember um, finishing that day and wondering how the hell I even got through it. Cause every step was, it was grabbing and it was sore. Um, and I was really struggling, but you get to the 55, 60 kilometer day of running and then rest up at night. And then you get to the end of the, the journey after I've done the 12 days and I was thinking, how the hell yeah, you know, did wow. I get back there? So just was showing me how powerful the mind is. So I think it's all about mindset. Um, and over time, someone asked not long ago how I developed the mindset, um, of me, of being able to back up the runs day in, day out, and they wanted mental toughness sort of similar to me. And I was just I was just telling them that the mental toughness, I think, um, you know, is improved or you, can, you develop mental toughness by just continually doing the work. So continually putting yourself out there and, and doing the work, whatever that may be in whatever field that is. Yeah. Um, and I think I've been able to develop that mental toughness and build that uh, mental strength up over all the runs that I've done and just continually, um, yeah, push through. Um, the training and then the actual events as well. So I've just sort of thrown myself into the into the fire and continually um, strengthened that mental toughness by going back in and, and just doing the work on a you know a repetitive sort of basis. So I think it's all about mindset. Yep. Um. That's where the uh, yeah the magic is and, and self belief. Yeah. I think it all starts in the mind.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree completely. Um. So, Adelaide to Geelong, how far is
1: that? that's 760 <laughs> oh kilometers so that was a um my nana had breast cancer passed away with breast cancer yeah um and she absolutely loved the hawthorne football club as i do so we're <laughs> all mad hawk <laughs> supporters <laughs> no, uh, she loves shane crawford Idolised crawford so yeah. um, when she passed away i made a bit of a promise to her and to myself to honor her life and i suppose honour her fight with the breast cancer and I decided to do what Crawford done. So he'd ran from Adelaide to the Channel Nine Footy Studios in Melbourne. Okay. Um, and I pretty much touched base with uh, Marita at the um, BCN 8 Breast Cancer Network Australia. Pretty much got Crawford's running route that he did from them, and they were uh, really supportive and and were so helpful in helping us out. So we kicked off. Um, I think it was the Rundle Mall in Adelaide on yep. May twenty first, twenty fourteen. And we arrived back on what would have been my Nana's 79th birthday at June 1st. So we're in a different venue from here. But we arrived back to um, the BCNA crew were there. Heaps of family, heaps of friends. Wow. Um, we had the social media going. So we kept everyone up to date with what was happening every day. And we covered about 65 to 70 Ks a day. And wow. that, that was going to get us back um, about lunchtime on June 1st, which was always the aim to yeah. honour my Nana on what would have been a birthday. So that was a really important... Uh, day to get back, and again another. I had a really big why to you know why I was doing what I was doing. So uh, that was yeah, 760 kilometres, and about twenty thousand dollars we raised for the the BCNA, which was awesome. Yeah, wow. and um, had a great time. Had my wife there, um, mum come up, and then a few mates as well with the support crew. So they would go ahead and set up ahead of me, and I'd I'd run, and then at the night I'd finish. Um, I would paint the the breasts, cancer lady logo on the road yep and then I'd um, start there the next day and then you know go again and run the 65 70k's and, and do it all over again so wow. that was a fantastic time that was awesome That's and um, every, all the support crew loved it mum's often talking about going and doing it again but um, I said to my mum, I was the one that was, that was <laughs> taking the uh, the hills on and, and doing the running part. She was moving ahead. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she really she really loved it. I know she had a uh, um, lots of fond memories from that yeah. from that run. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome time and was really happy and really proud to raise twenty grand and had super super great support from from family and friends. So that was the um, the Adelaide to Geelong Run, and that was probably the probably the first after the hundred K Surfco Century that was a real big um, you know charity event. Yeah, wow, that's
0: huge. That's amazing. Sixty to seventy k in a day. It's like what I run in a week. Yeah. So that was.
1: I was just getting up <laughs> early, getting it done as as quick as I can. It wasn't by no means was it fast, but um you know, you're running to early afternoon and then getting back, having some food, having a shower, resting up, and then icing the legs, and then pretty much going to going to sleep and then doing it again. So, wow. um, but no, it all worked out. We we were tracking perfectly all the way. The Achilles, like I said, gave us a little bit of grief, um, but we had great support along the way from. Um, people throughout the towns and stuff like that so yeah uh, yeah, it was awesome
0: so did you find that when I mean obviously with the social media and everything did you find that people would be expecting you to come and yeah yeah offering to put you up for the night or
1: yeah yeah we definitely yeah we had that we had some people um, putting us up for a night or giving us a discount on accommodation we had some people coming down um, that met us along the way and just offered their support and, and thanked me for what I was doing a couple of ladies that had um, battled and bre- beaten breast cancer so that was yeah. great that was really good motivation for me, and then um, we had yeah local press along the way as well, catching up with some for some photos and some articles for the local papers, letting everyone know what I was passing through and what I was doing as well. So yeah, we got some really good coverage with that, and that definitely helped with the fundraising for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's amazing. Um,
0: now this next one, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a loaded question, and and you've sort of been answering it as you go anyway, but I thought I'd. Put it out there and um, just ask it flat out. But if you could share just one thing with with people that you've learned about yourself during all these runs and all this physical feats, all these physical feats, what would it be if you had to just share one thing?
1: Yeah, I suppose, I suppose I've talked about your mindset a little bit. Yeah. How powerful the mind is. That's definitely the one thing. Just and. Um, following on from that, just to how incredible the, the human body is. Like, it, it mm-hmm. can just cope with whatever you want it to cope with. If the mind's right, I think the human body can do uh, some truly incredible things. And just what I've been able to do, you know, every day for 366 days uh, so far is uh, is proof of that. But I think um, what a, the number one thing has taught me is just, yeah, what, what not a, what I'm capable of, you know, from a, an individual point of view, but what yeah, everyone out there is capable of Um if you really put your mind to something and you really have a big um, big reason to to do what you're doing and have a, a purpose bigger than yourself, um, I think yeah, everyone's truly capable of more than they than they realise. Yeah. Uh, and you'll you're going through your journey now and you'll you'll find that out <laughs> we'll and find you have found that out. that out along the way. But yeah, I think everybody's yeah, um, capable of so much more than they, than they think, um, yeah. their potentials unfulfilled in so many people. So that's what i found. And I think, yeah, with a, a really strong mind and the body will, you know, will go places, um, you know, you, you never expected.
0: Yeah. That I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's, 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 I mean, if there's any, if there's one specific message that I, I hope that this breaking the barrier journey is about is that there's just a lot more to people than they give themselves credit for yeah um so what what do you think the next massive your next massive undertaking might be from here after you do the 535 and 535 what do you think yeah. will be next you... uh,
1: so what i've got um what i'm looking forward to on i finish on friday june 14th so we're going to finish back here at the gym we'll do a, a late um afternoon half marathon in the day and we'll finish back here and have a bit of a party here to celebrate which would be awesome on the saturday it's my little boy's second birthday which is pretty cool oh happy birthday to yeah. him for then. yeah and <laughs> then uh two weeks later two weeks after that i turn 40 which is another little milestone we'll oh, tick wow. off and then um what i want to do after that the uh, about 14 weeks after i finish the half marathon to surf coast century down in angle on again yep so i want to go back and i really have a good training block for that obviously i'm Doing what I'm doing, plenty of, <laughs> legs, plenty of k's in the legs, <laughs> yeah. but I'm obviously 100 k's is a little bit different than running 21. Sure. I might so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll um yeah give the the legs lots of k's and and train really well for that and do uh, as well as I can in that in September I think that is and then what I really want to do a big aim of mine a bit of a mission now um, is the um, I'd absolutely love to do the bad water. 135 or 135, I think it's called. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've that's heard about two, that one? Yeah, that's a 217-kilometer non-stop ultramarathon. Yep. Through Death Valley in in California. Yeah,
0: I was talking about that the other day. That is yeah. some crazy so stuff. So that's what
1: I've uh that's what I've been eyeing off. I've seen a couple of Aussies who have done it in the last few years and have have um, have done really well. got like finished third in 2015 and 2016. Finished third in both years. Yep um and he's a um he's an incredible ultra marathon runner but that's something i would absolutely love to do that's definitely on the bucket list i know they only take in i think it's 50 rookies each year and then maybe 50 veterans people that come back to do the event yeah um so it's a bit of a, a lottery to get in there and you've got to have a um it's a bit of a process to being um approved for the race so i understand all that but I'll keep doing what I'm doing, and then I might look at um, sort of trying to qualify in 2020, perhaps, and yep. then, um, yeah, something like 2021, I would absolutely love to, to go over there and do that. That's a bit of a mission of mine, and um, yeah, that's what I'm uh, I'm actually thinking about that a fair bit at the moment when I'm doing the runs. I'm thinking how much I'd love to go and do that, so uh, I'm already looking ahead, which is probably a little bit scary, Yeah, that's a bit of a mission, but before that, the Surf Coast Century, the yeah, 100k next year, I wanna, um, yeah, do that as best I can under sort of 12, 11 hours would be, would be great. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: And that, that, and that's just, that's, that's an awesome lesson in and of itself. So you're, you're in the, right in the middle of this massive thing and you're motivating yourself already for things that are well into the future. It's like, it, it it's, it's so easy. I found that when you're right in the middle of, or so if we use like a 12-week, say if we use like a 12-week marathon training block, yeah. you get into week six and week seven and you're just like, it's right in that time where you just start to lose motivation and you're like, oh, why would I do this? It's going to be over in six weeks, like, and then what? But if you have something to look forward to after that, mm. it just motivates you to keep going, Yeah, which is, which is amazing. And yeah, the Badwater race, that's, for those of you who don't know what that is, Google Death Valley, and then imagine running a couple hundred K in that.
1: Mm. I, think it's, uh, I think they say it can get up to 50 degrees. They start the race at 11 o'clock at night, so I think it's sort of 40, yeah. 35, 35, 40 degrees when they start, but then during the day, once the sun comes up the middle of the following day, it can get up to about 50 degrees, so oh my the God. stories of the, the shoes melting on the road, Yeah. Um, so there's some pretty uh, insane stories out there, but um yeah i've seen a few few video clips and a few documentaries and and have been following that the last few weeks yeah when i've seen the seen the run but that's something yeah i absolutely love to do it looks absolutely extreme i think it's renowned as the hardest ultra marathon in the in the world yeah yeah through the temperatures and there's there's a 23 kilometer climb in there or something like that so it sounds insanely tough but um yeah something i want to do so a few, a few years down the track
0: that puts a lot of things into perspective. That's Celsius, by the way, the numbers that he was speaking about for my American friend. Um, so that's basically, that's like at 11 p.m., That it's about 100, 110 degrees, and it can get as hot as about 130, 120, 130 degrees during the day. So, wow. <laughs> um, now this next question that I'd like to ask, so it's actually, a, it's a new addition to the Breaking the Barrier podcast based on some awesome feedback that I had from listeners a couple weeks ago on an episode that I did. Now, with somebody like... I I love asking people like you who already do amazingly extraordinary things and do them well. Mm -hmm. It's just an interesting... It's interesting for me to hear what the answer is. And maybe you've already answered it. So maybe the answer is already something that we've heard. Maybe it has something to do with something completely other than running. Uh, That's okay. But the question is, and I think we've all heard this question before, Matt, what would you attempt if you knew that you could not fail?
1: Yeah, I was having a bit of a think about this question. It's actually pretty pretty hard. So I was trying to go over um, some things in my mind that um, I would like to do if I couldn't fail. But um, I mean, I, I live a yeah a great life at the moment. And I've ticked off some pretty big accomplishments. I mean, mm-hmm. I put my mind to some of these big events I've always been able to achieve them um so the question was an interesting one but I I sort of got thinking more um outside of running and I think if I if I couldn't fail what I would love to do um would be uh I'd love to take a kid all the kids and and travel around the world and just and just holiday if that's if that was a uh something we could do and it wasn't going to uh you weren't going to fail and everything was on hold and life was great if that's what um yeah we could do I'd absolutely love to take all, all four kids and my wife Lee and Head around the world and uh, and travel. I think that would be pretty cool. But I'm sure there'd be a um uh, a little bit of running in between there. Yeah, as well. I'm sure, uh, sure you would work. It from in a that. from a running point of view, um, like I said, of these big things that I sort of put my mind to, I like to think I'm able to to tick them off if I do. Like, yeah. preparation night and all those sort of things. So it was a hard one to answer from my running point of view. Bad water is a big goal, but I'm sure I could get through that if I if I did all the right things. So, um, yeah, if I couldn't fail, and um, you know. Everything was was all taken care of. I'd love to travel the world with the kids and my wife and and do that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would expect. I think
2: runners hate us when we tell tell them about this. Um, <laughs> everyone loves to do a float or jog recovery, and they can't get their head around why the walk's important. But I'll get to that in a sec. So two to four on with equal walking recovery, one to one work to rest ratio, and then accumulating twelve to twenty minutes of working time. Absolute gold session for improving your abilities, to use oxygen because so it really stimulates our, our development of that that taking oxygen in is one aspect, but the processing it, using it faster. So then we have less reliance on that anaerobic system at those higher intensities. And what we see in terms of return, we generally see in sort of 10, 12 weeks of training, athletes come back and retest. If they're just focusing on this, this aerobic power aspect, with some long, slow, continuous ticking along in the background, obviously we need to maintain that. Um, They max out at three minutes later, four minutes later in the test, I've yeah, seen as far as people have got six minutes later on the test. We see things like twenty, twenty-five percent. Not everyone, but twenty to twenty-five percent improvement in some athletes who have come in um, in terms of their VO2 max going up. So that's the equivalent of going from like a fifty-two to like a sixty-two VO2 max. I had that a couple of weeks ago in an athlete, which was really impressive. Um, just a marathon runner. He raced yesterday as well. I got to catch up with him to see what uh, what he put out at Melbourne Marathon. But in terms of that that block of training, I mean, significantly better usage of oxygen. And what it meant was when he went into those slightly longer intervals or or threshold type, um, type sessions, longer sustained paces, similar to race day, because he was using more oxygen at a really high intensity, like well above his race intensity, sub-maximally that also improved as well. Um, it's not the type of thing that if we just improve, we're getting better at say 3.45 pace, but we want to race at 4.30s, it's not oh we're kind of efficient at 4.30s now but oh we've done all this training really so we've become really efficient at 3.55s and then we're horrible again it's we get better at 3.55 so four minute k's we get more efficient using oxygen 4.15s 4.20s 4.30s it flows down the chain and and something that a lot of typical athletes like I said this this is a typical model of athlete that I'm talking through is they they do all the long slow but the long slow training is great, but if you continue to do long slow and let's say you're going out and doing five minute K pace and you, you're just sitting on that on that all the time, that's going to get you really good at running at five minute K pace, but it's yeah. not going to get you any good at running at four minute K pace or 415s. Yeah, you need that higher stimulus. Whereas running at 355s, you're well above, but we've got this one to one work to rest. So we're getting this quality effort because we've got plenty of recovery. We're getting that good quality stimulus of improving our. To use oxygen via the mitochondria and the muscle, etc., the process is happening to, to allow us to be as aerobic as we can, helps us bet, to be better at four minute Ks and it flows back down the chain. Um, it's the same thing if you do long, slow training at five minute Ks, you're going to get better at 5 six minutes, etc., but you're not going to necessarily get better the other way. So it, it is that sort of balance. So that's a typical thing we see. Some athletes um, who are good at aerobic power, they've gone and trained it, see something slightly different, and that's more where we then start to work on their lactate tolerance. Their threshold ability, holding those more race paces um, for an extended period of time, to to teach them to tolerate the fatigue when it does um, when it does come in. So it, it it comes down to what we see in the data at the end of the day. Sure.
0: And so circling back to that, uh, the the training for it and walking. What why do you find that runners don't like to don't like the walk breaks?
2: Oh, it's just a psychology thing. I reckon it's just t- the typical right. session is your, your classic one K repeats where it's work hard for a bit and then do a jog recovery or a short, really short recovery and float, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's just a, because it's a very different style of training and a very different work to rest ratio. Yeah. I think it ends up being, being just a bit um, sort of out of the normal, different, different form. Um, and, and that's probably why, that's probably why a lot of athletes sort of, sort of a bit taken back by it. Cause it, it seems, it seems strange. It seems a bit foreign. It's like I'm working so hard in this session, I'm so used to going almost. And, and some athletes are, are used to going at these paces, but they have yeah. this short recovery, and they, by the end of the session, they're like, oh, why am I like really fatigued and I can't maintain pace? It's like well, <laughs> you just need you just need the extra recovery. Like yeah. And, and the, the the classic thing is I, I gave this to I gave this to one of the guys um that who, who's a gun in terms of running technique. If you've heard of Paul McKinnon, the balance runner up. Yeah. unreal. Um, if he hasn't jumped on the podcast go and go and seek him out and get him on because he's amazing Um, but he took it down to a running group that he goes to uh, in the city and he he taught the guys this session and a few of them went oh no 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 I'm going to do a jog recovery or float recovery I'll be fine they were doing um, they did it slightly different. I think they were doing six by three minute efforts right yeah. three on three off half the group was like yeah look that sounds pretty hard we're going to do the walk recovery in that be equal the top end guys some of the ones who might be a little bit higher on the ego side of things went oh no i'll be able to push through blew up about two intervals in and just couldn't maintain pace and ended up they ran the first couple at the front of the group by the end they were way slower than the back of the group so it was it was an interesting sort of experiment i guess from his perspective in terms of these these athletes starting to learn no wait i need this equal recovery to get that quality of interval back up there yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's the purpose of the session. We're not trying to teach you to be good at pushing through the fatigue in the legs or, or tolerating the burn. It's there to develop a specific part of your physiology and the infrastructure that's going to allow you to use oxygen better. If you want to get better at tolerating the burn, yeah, have a two minutes on, one minute off, or, or do a 1K re- repeat with 90-second rest, whatever, where you, you're on, but you're not all the way on. You're sort of at that in and around threshold, and you do a jog recovery so lactate comes in. Partially removed, comes in a, a bit more, partially removed. That's okay because by the end of the session, you're going to be absolutely smashed and, and not have much left. But because the intensity is backed off, you should be able to maintain it. You're not running at 355. You might be running out 420, 430. So you're able to maintain it across the session. Whereas this is, you're running near max. You need that recovery to get back up there three, four, five, six times in that session. Um, but it's that golden time up there that's going to cause the adaptation. You start slipping and going less than that 95% of max in those efforts. You're just losing out big time in yep. terms of the adaptation side of things. So I, I guess the, it's from our perspective, it's just education, of the athlete, um, letting him know that it, it is effective. It, it, it's the type of thing that sometimes we almost like athletes to go and try their luck at jogging those recoveries and have a bit of, I told you so moment. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: But it, it, it is because, some some people just are stuck in this traditional mindset of I need to work hard and then not give myself recovery and work hard again because that's how I'm going to get better. Uh, harder is better to an extent, but it, it's we just got to work out when the right time to do that is. Yeah. And if we're seeing in the physiology aerobic power needs work, let's focus on that and not have a focus on um, lactate tolerance because they clash at the end of the day. Um, high amounts of lactate in are not great for that aerobic adaptation. And this is where sometimes athletes get confused because we are pushing so hard in max, yes, there's going to be lactate in. But we're having a full recovery, so most of it's coming out um, as opposed to your trad- traditional sort of threshold interval where it's you work hard and it's half the recovery. We, we're we trying to keep lactate in the system for as long as we can. So really comes down to the goal of training. But if you want to get higher VO2 max, boost that aerobic power, better use of oxygen, Maintain your long, slow training as it is, and then do that VO2 interval session two to four minutes on, equal work to rest, 95% of your max, and 12 to 20 minutes of working time. Unreal result yeah. Majority of athletes who come back in a well and well and truly above. But like I said, it, it's going to be most effective in the guys who just don't do it at all. So when we're talking about 20-25% improvement, I mean these are guys who've been training for two, three, four years and have never touched that intensity before. And now they're going, why am I so much better? It's like Because well, you, you train something different to what you've done. Um, it's like any skill. You practice it long enough, you'll get really good at it. The only way you're going to get better or challenge yourself in a different way is if you change something up. Yeah. Um, so so that's an important part to see. I mean, if you always do 1K repeats and threshold all the time, you're going to have a really good threshold. But it's not necessarily going to help you take that next step. Um, same as if... If an athlete's the other end of the spectrum, they got really good aerobic power, good usage of oxygen, but their threshold's no good. If they just keep training aerobic power, they'll get good at that, but it's not going to help them run a marathon that in and around that sort of tempo threshold pace.
0: So it's that recovery and that variety being, yep. being really important things. And that's what we yep. talk about. Of yep. course, as athletes all the time, is I mean, the elites' recovery is a full time job and they're always yep. switching their workouts. So there's, you know, they, they can't be wrong. <laughs> mm.
2: So time and place. Yeah exactly.
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, being involved with the VO2 max testing, just we're, we'll get personal for a little bit. How do, does that really sort of um, have an effect on your mentality in terms of how much you want to improve as an athlete, like seeing people improve and and seeing what they need to do to keep going? Do you, do you take that on board and, and push yourself personally, or is it something that you have to kind of stay a, a little bit distant from because otherwise you start pushing too hard and <laughs> and going too nuts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting one. I think from, from my perspective, I've always been one to sort of, I guess, think ahead and problem solve and want to, want to test things before I um, before I sort of recommend it or, or, or give it out. So I definitely put myself through, through my own testing and then mm. um, do the training off the back of it and, and try and do set. I definitely test the sessions before, um before i prescribe them in most cases and like even today i went and did a swim that one of the guys that i'm training for a, for a half i at the moment he's doing the exact same session as me today um just so i get that that feel for what what they're going through i think that's really important from a coaching perspective that we understand what what the athlete's required to do and um so so you can sometimes get lost with i guess pushing an athlete to to a pretty hard session and and sort of not losing touch of what that actually might feel like so i think that's probably an important part to to understand the other side of the coin um as well but at, at, the, at times you do need to just sort of distance yourself a little bit and, and take a step back and look at the look at the whole picture because at the end of the day as a as a sort of coach and sports scientist that's that's my job when working with these athletes um my my goal is that to get them the best possible result in their training i mean it's a bonus if i can I can do well in, in what I'm doing. And I've obviously got goals in that working is uh, working away myself in my own training. But uh, yeah. primarily my focus is on, I, I got to get my athletes ready for race day and um, get them as prepared as possible for the best advice. So it's, you, you got to find that for a coach perspective, you got to find that balance. I think in, in understanding for what, what it's like to be the athlete in their shoes, but then also having that step back and looking at from a, an independent perspective and not going, oh, well, it worked for me, so it's going to work for them. It's what am I seeing in this individual's data that I can make the most of and, and maximise their training because it might be completely different to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's probably the, the harder balance to find is is really sort of isolating those two aspects, which you see a lot in, in coaches. It's a difficult balance to, to hit because, yeah, if you get a result within your own training, it's very easy to go, oh, well, someone else might, might benefit from that as well. We'll give it a try. Um and sometimes that is the case, but if we have got athletes who show different traits in physiology through testing, whatever it may be, you may not end up maximizing that result because you've you've given them something that they're potentially already good at or, or aren't quite primed for and um it, it can it can sort of not really lead to anything or it, it could work, it is a little bit trial and error, but um you definitely at times have to distance yourself a little bit from from everything is sort to of take a step back and look at what is happening in front of me so I can make the best decision for, for whoever's sitting on the other side of the desk, whether that be athlete that I'm coaching or um consulting with. It's where, when I'm at when I'm at work it's all about them. When I'm when I'm outside it's I can focus on my own training. So um, yeah, definitely a definitely an interesting one. Yeah,
0: right. Okay. Interesting. Well, okay, so there's next now there's next question that I wanna ask you. Um something that I so basically, just to give you a bit of a background of why I asked this question, I did an episode way back in the day when the podcast was starting out, and I focused all about what my listeners would attempt if they knew they could not fail, and I had a great response from it. So I, I, I like to ask everybody that I talk to on the podcast this next question. So, Nick, what would you attempt if you knew you could not fail?
2: Oh, that's huge. Um <laughs> just it, like in terms of a, is it are you talking more like events or are we talking just like anything anything
0: in, yeah in i mean i've had people give me two answers one in terms of events one in terms of just different stuff but yeah anything anything you want
2: yeah right um i i guess i've oh in, in terms of anything really um if i if i knew i was definitely not going to fail um I think something like, like climbing Everest would be something that if I definitely wasn't going to fail it, wow. then that'd be that'd be a cool thing. I, I think it's just, it's the benchmark in, I mean, you you have to push your body. You're not necessarily, you're not going to be running it or, or anything like that, but you, you're pushing your body to the utmost limits because you're in literally the highest place in the world yeah. um, and the highest possible altitude. And it's, uh, I think just being able to be able to get to the top and it's such a, such a journey to get up there um i think that'd be if i knew i definitely wasn't going to fail then that'd be probably it um i just think yeah the challenge of it would be be unbelievable but it'd be so worth it when she once you got to the end in terms of events in terms of racing um i don't know it's a tricky one i like going fast not gonna lie um <laughs> it rather than rather than the ultra stuff yeah um, probably doesn't doesn't suit what i'm going at so i, I guess something Oh, something speed related I, I probably couldn't even tell you from a from from right now and in, in what's going on um ideal probably in the I've got a half Ironman coming up in December that if I could go well really if I knew I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna fail and I could go sort of sub 430 for that I'd be pretty happy but I reckon I'm probably not quite on track for it but um yeah, it's, a, it's the type of thing that I mean it'd be nice to It'd be nice to go as fast as possible in in some of those sort of middle, what I call middle intermediate events that are lasting sort of three four hours. I think that's probably where I'm really suited in terms of endurance aspect. Yeah. Um, and then oh, I, I guess probably a third one that's just sort of entered my head um, with the stuff I do with with umpiring footy. I wear, G, I wear GPS unit at the back of my back of my top. Um, yeah. Something that I've been working towards. That it's hard when I then go away and train in the off season for um, for triathlon and things like that. The the hard thing is that I wanna try and get as fast as possible. Sure. And the the difficulty is trying to get as fast as possible usually requires going the opposite to what, what the endurance stuff is. Um, I've clocked out at about thirty five K an hour as a top speed, but I think forty wow. K an forty K an hour would be would be unreal. If I could clock that, I'd be able to then tell people that I'm as fast as Usain Bolt. And <laughs> And I reckon that would be, if I knew I wasn't going to, wasn't going to fail at it, I reckon that'd be pretty cool. Just, just to then cover all bases. Cause it's like, if I could go real quick in a 70.3 that intermediate stuff, yeah. if I could climb Everest and I could clock out faster than Usain Bolt, like that, that's the ultimate, isn't it? Like you, you're the, you've won a fastest in the world. You've conquered the highest peak and you can go pretty quick over a, over an intermediate endurance race. Yeah. That's, that's kind kind of, like the best like, from it. Yeah, from a physio- physiologist perspective, like no one hits all of those benchmarks. So hopefully that answers the question in terms of if I if I couldn't fail, and I knew I wasn't going to fail, that's probably my three. No, those are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that answered pretty well. Yeah. Rock on. I, I I've a, I've a, I've a lot of things that I want to like do and accomplish. So it's always really hard to um have to sort of sort of pick and choose. But and it's such a like. I'm sure you've had some unreal responses, but uh, yeah, they're probably my three from my perspective that I think you can tick those boxes. You're up there with pushing the human body to its limits in, in every category, which from a sports science perspective and a physiology perspective, uh, I just find that to be probably the ultimate in in human performance. You can tick all of those. It's like, who's done that? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be be cool. Yeah. Nice. Whether right. it happens probably not, but well. <laughs> yeah. Whether it happens or not, we'll, it's say. A nice, we'll it's a nice, say it's a nice benchmark. <laughs> Correct. It's not a dream.
0: That's it. That's it. If we have no dreams, we have nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. So now where, where can so before we wrap up, Nick, where can people go to learn a little bit more about Mets performance, what you do and, and how to get uh, how to get into the in basically into the facility and, and get a taste of what you're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So easiest way to um, easiest way to find us uh, in terms of Mets is just look at MetsPerformance.com. Um You can type it into type it into Google. If you type in Mets Performance Consulting, it's usually the first thing that comes up. Um, we're we're obviously based in Melbourne. So for anyone who's listening to the podcast who's not based in uh, in Melbourne, um, unfortunately, we've just got the one facility at the moment. Um, more than welcome to travel down to us. We have had a few athletes do that, but. Um, we we do a lot of our work out of out of Mulgrave here, so we're about uh, sort of thirty minutes out of the city, um, which isn't too bad. Pretty close to a couple of freeways. You can have, can look us up on social. Um, so we're on Instagram and Facebook again. Just type in Mets Performance. You should be able to find us. Uh, look for the the logo of it's basically a running man with a little heartbeat, uh, so a symbol behind it. Um, it's pretty easy. Where we try to be as active as we can on online, um, and then I, I guess from from trying to get in uh, to, to book in some testing best way would be look on the website. We've got a link that'll take you straight through to, to our booking page. You can have a look at what, what fits in availability wise and, and all the services we offer um, to find out stuff more about what I'm doing. Um, I try and post re- pretty regularly. I'm mostly active on Instagram uh, at NJ underscore sports science. You can check that one out. Um, I'm doing my own sort of, I guess, similar to what you're doing in terms of breaking the barrier, but um I'm calling it road to Busso, the lead up to my seventy point three race. So, yep. doing some video uh, entries every week on on how I'm tracking with that and the the ups and downs of of training for my first first half Ironman, which is um, I'm hoping is interesting for people to watch. So, more from a triathlon perspective, but um, how does someone who who works in and trains athlete works in sports science and trains athletes for for a job? How do I go about it in terms of my own training and and implementing some of the things that that I pick up? So. Like I was talking about before, that, that sort of I guess outside of what I'm doing as a as a coach, how does that all sort of link up and what what am I doing myself? Um, you can definitely check that out um, and some I, I try and keep keep posting some regular info about endurance performance and uh, endurance physiology things like that. So try and educate a little bit on there too. So they're probably the main ways you can you can get in touch with us. Um, but if, if there is anything dir- directly messaging me on on Instagram or straight to the, the the Mets page as well pretty easy to, to get in contact with us we are happy to happy to help where we can
0: awesome all right Nick well look thank you so much for coming on today that was that was massively awesome so yeah. much information and um, I'll have obviously all your links in the show notes and put a bit of a summary in there yeah man thank you thank you so much that was really great
2: no, all right. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I look forward to hopefully getting you back in for some testing yourself, mate. We we'll have to have to see how your training's tracking along, and hopefully get that uh, get those times down in the marathon nice and soon. Bring it on! Sounds good, mate. Thanks again.
0: Thank you very much Nick for that incredibly informative conversation about VO2 max and why it's so important. Really really appreciate your time. And I look forward to getting back into your facility and testing my own VO2 max because do you know what after the last couple runs that I've had, which I'm going to get into in just a second because you know I didn't do my update in the beginning of the episode, my Garmin VO2 max has jumped like 2 points so <laughs> I'm getting back there. Anyway, so before I wrap up, I just want to give a quick update on myself. So yesterday, I went to go see a myotherapist, somebody recommended to me by Isabel Ross, who's going to be on the podcast next week. Of course, Isabel Ross took part in something that is on my What Would I Attempt If I Knew I Could Not Fail list, and that was, of course, the Barkley Marathons. So she referred me to this man, this myotherapist, Jason Ness, and we had a great little session yesterday we were talking about my injury and and what my goals are and he's very running oriented like he's worked with runners he knows what runners are meant to do so it was nice to go to a myotherapist whose answer wasn't well pick a different sport <laughs> as Angie and Trevor were talking about a couple weeks ago you know when you find somebody who says that don't let the door hit you on the way out there's always a better answer And it was just really interesting because this whole time I've been thinking it's been my IT band, and yes, that has something to do with it, but one of the first things he said was, you know, I've checked you over, man, and your IT band is feeling fine. And so it's more of a problem in terms of my hip and my feet, my foot strength. Um, So, uh, well, funnily enough, my hip strength is fine, my glute strength is fine, but it's not fine in other places, right? So there's obviously many parts to the hips and glutes and my feet strength, my foot strength is not uh, where it should be either. So he's going to help me work on that. And it's just a lot of things having to do with form, which is which is good because that's something that can be fixed. So, and, and, and his answer was to work on speed because that's going to help me work on my form. It's going to help me get my speed down, of course, and that fits in really well with well, sorry, my speed up. That works in really well with what I was just talking about with Nick in terms of VO2 max. And that's also what my coach, Steve, was planning on doing. So it's nice that those things are starting to line up, that I'm, I'm finally getting people who are on the same page and I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting answers to what this thing might be. So it might not have been my IT band, it might just be something having to do with form and certain things that you know, I have to work on other than strengthening just overall just maybe getting into a little bit more detailed work you know and he was saying that there's a bit of flexibility well too much flexibility in terms of my my legs but again in other places there's not enough flexibility so sometimes too much flexibility is not a good thing especially if you're a runner which is interesting because i was reading an article about that a few days ago as well so again things are lining up so working on my speed today i had a, a pretty good milestone run So it was like a breaking the barrier kind of moment for me because it was my sort of longest speed workout since the marathon. And, you know, it was not something that I was trying to destroy myself on, right? So it was two miles easy or 3.2 kilometers easy at about a, a 550 kilometer pace or about a 930 mile pace. And then from there, it was 10 400 meter repeats. So 400 meters, that's basically one lap around the track. Wasn't running on a track, but that's just so you know. Um, And I ran those really well. So the first five I ran at about, uh, I don't know, a seven-minute, maybe a slightly, yeah, around a seven-minute mile or about, I don't know, what's that? like a I guess that's like a 430, 440 kilometers, something like that. And then the second five, the second half, the last five, I kind of tried to pick it up for anything sub-seven-minute miles. So I ran those at about somewhere in the vicinity of a 645 to a 650 mile and they felt really strong and then on the last one uh the last 400 m- meter repeat i went for a sub 6 minute mile pace <laughs> that was stupid <laughs> that was hard so i made it about 300 meters and then i drastically sl- I, I drastically slowed down to about a 640 pace so in terms of kilometers my last t- you know, a couple of 400-meter of repeats were sub-four-minute kilometers, and I've not ever run a quote-unquote formatted run uh, with a speed like that. Granted, it was only 400 meters, but the speed's in there. It's awesome. It was a lot of fun. So that's that. And recovering well. Got my feet and my ankles taped up right now from the myotherapist and... I'm looking forward to seeing where we go. So that's my update on breaking the barrier at the moment for my own running. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I'm excited to keep going. So when I when I see Jason again in a couple weeks, the myotherapist, we're actually going to go for a run together and he's going to analyze me a little bit more. I'm so glad that he didn't want to go for a run yesterday because it was like 35 degrees out when I was over there. So that's that's about that's about 100, 105 degrees for my American friends. <laughs> so that's that. Okay. So... Now, to wrap up, I guess, look, like I said, speaking with Nick was really, really informative. I recommend listening to this episode a couple of times just because there's there's going to be things to pick up that you might not pick up on the first go. But some of the most important things that you can really take away from this episode is obviously the definition of VO2 max and why it's important. VO2 max, it determines your body's maximum ability to take up, transport, and utilize oxygen. And knowing that information is going to make you a much stronger athlete because it's going to help you know the best zones to train in in terms of your heart rate. It's going to help you maximize your training efficacy rather than just running to run. It's going to turn your weaknesses into strengths and it will develop your physiology to utilize oxygen more efficiently so once you learn what your VO2 max is you can learn how to train more efficiently to improve all those areas whether you're a runner whether you're a swimmer whether you're a cyclist or just an everyday gym rat or somebody who's getting into fitness it's something that is good to know because it'll help you train more intelligently and more effectively. So that's going to conclude today's episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.